All right, how's it going tonight, everybody? We are Run the Real featuring Mike, Terry, Fox, and Dan. Guys, I'm going to need everybody to lie down. Can you lie down, please? It feels so nice to lie down. <laughs> Fox, you need to lie down. I really just need to... I need to go. I gotta go. I can't do going right now. I need you to lie down. <laughs> we, we got a little bit from our movie we watched. We watched Midsommar for our 2019 catch-up. This was your pick, wasn't it, Mike? It was my pick. I really liked Hereditary by Ari Aster. Believe it or not, he had never seen this one yet. Yeah. Shows how much you like Ari Aster. Hmm. Oh. Well, I have an excuse. It's a valid <laughs> excuse. Right around when this movie came out, I got a new puppy, so I couldn't like just dip out. But even after it hit Amazon Prime for free, it still took me like a couple months to watch it. So. <laughs> In my defense, you guys kept teasing me. You were leading me on. We're like, we got to do a 2019 catch-up, Mike. And I was like, well, I know what I'm going to pick for that. So I was like, well, I shouldn't watch it now and then watch it again. I just go into it fresh. Ah, noble cause, saving it for the show. What a guy. Yeah, yeah. So I finally made it around to it, and I made all you guys watch it. Yes, again. Because this is the second time Fox and uh, Terry have seen it, right? Yep, that is correct. Actually, I went and saw this in theaters, um, and it was a very small theater, and just as the previews were starting, a family of like seven came in, including like five to ten year old children. Nice. Wow. This is the perfect movie for them. <laughs> oh. Which made this screening very awkward. <laughs> right in front of me. Yeah, I'm always surprised at some of the movies that parents will bring their real little kids to. Yeah, no joke. But but that's their decision, so... Definitely not a family movie, I would say. At least for me. I wouldn't want to watch this with any of my family members. <laughs> Hereditary's a good family film. This one, not so much. Yeah, wasn't Hereditary part of our family film series? Yeah, we did do that for our family film. Way back when. <laughs> I don't know. Did that even air? I don't even sure that review ever Nah, aired. that's the unreleased tapes. Wait, no, it did. It his name was with us at that point. That was nah, the... nah, I wasn't there yet. We we did it twice. We we did it for our favorites of 2018. Oh. But y you guys did it once before I came in, but you didn't release that one <laughs> or those ones because you did like shark movies too, I thought, or something. Yep, we oh, did. Oh, yeah. What happened to all those? My mic was really hot in one of those, so <laughs> Terry was like, this one's not getting released. Back when we tried to do it in the same room and it was very echoey and the only one that's like surviving listenable member, I think, is that one-off World's End review me and Mike did back in the day, but. <laughs> this is true. I think when we did that shark one, we were all in the same room, just drunk out of our minds, <laughs> trying to record at the same time. You could hear us like yelling into each other's mics from across the room. Yeah. It was good times. Not much has changed, right? But <laughs> Yeah, now we're <laughs> just some distance is all. <laughs> just some distance, but uh. Yeah, so we talked a lot about Hereditary. Uh, I believe Fox and uh, myself picked it for our favorite of 2018. Is that right, Fox? Did you pick that? Maybe. I mean, if I did, I don't know what I was thinking because it's like my most dreaded of 2018, but <laughs> I might have. Uh, Ari Aster, quickly after releasing Hereditary, he went straight into Midsommar. I was actually watching a uh, 
some interviews with him today, and he was saying right when Hereditary got released, he was over filming this movie in Europe. So he wasn't even here when Hereditary released. He was already over there doing that. No break. Jeez, he's just going straight into it. Yeah, he said he was pretty worn out while he was doing it. That's a pretty dark world to live in for that amount of time. Man. Yeah, and um, a lot of it makes sense after I watched some interviews with him, which I'm going to bring up, because he was going through a pretty bad breakup when he wrote this movie, and it was like his, um, the way he was dealing with it was through writing this movie. So I'm going to jump into some of that stuff later, but let me get through the logistics. So Midsommar was directed and written by Ari Aster. It was released last year, 2019. Currently on IMDb, it has a 7.2 out of 10 and a 72 Metascore. On Rotten Tomatoes, it has 83% tomato meter and a 63% audience score. Just a quick synopsis of this one. There is this couple that's going through some relationship hard times who goes on a uh, visit to Sweden to this rural, like, hometown's uh, midsummer festival. And there's a lot of ritual stuff going on, and there's some relationship turmoil that comes to a head in there. So, yeah, midsummer Relationships, turmoil, cults. Sounds like an Ari Aster movie. Smashed heads. I did see that's like his trademark now, apparently. He does do very good smashed heads. Ugh, so gross. Ugh. Yeah, something I wanted to bring up about that, kind of leaning into it, is Ari Aster, the way he does horror, I think is pretty interesting because, like, a lot of movies will keep something that's super frightening or shocking off screen or cut away from it real quick. No, not Ari Aster. He's going to show you the whole brutal thing right up on screen, like full view of it. Yeah, he leans into like the, the shock value, I think, with it a lot more. Yeah, and it works because, man, every time he cuts really quick to, yeah, a head getting smushed, and you're just like, oh, God. It's just so unsettling. You know, he almost does it with like a, an indifference, you know? Like it's not like a big dramatic jump scare. It's like... Someone getting their face smashed. There's a smashed face. A hammer smashed face. It's very shocking because you experience it at the same time, at the same viewpoint as the characters are in his movies. Every time something like this happens in there. And it's really interesting and I think it's very effective the way he does it. Absolutely. Yep, works for me. Yeah, every time I see it, I get... Ugh, I just... I can hardly look at the screen. It's so gnarly. (laughs) Yeah, it's nasty. It's disgusting. But I mean, props to Ari Aster and his film crew because they can pull that crap off really well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it looks pretty good, I guess, if that's the right word for it. There's a lot of good gore in this one. It's cool because it's used so sparingly throughout the movie that it's really shocking when it does occur. I mean, one of the most intense parts of the film is when the old people are jump off the rock or whatever and get their faces smashed in then the one guy doesn't die so they have to take turns beating him with the mallet man what was that guy even thinking like who just jumps off a cliff leg first like i don't know what he thought was gonna happen i don't think either of them wanted to go they were just they had to because if you, you could see when they were having their feast and everything, they were pretty scared out of their mind. They did not look stoked about what was to come. Really? 
I I thought they kind of looked just indifferent about it, like they'd already accepted it. Nah, they looked scared to me. I thought they looked pretty hesitant, but I you know I think they were willing to go through with it just because that's just how it is there. But even with that, like the rest of it's pretty good too. Like we get to see an actual um, blood eagle, oh. which was really cool. I thought because it's so nasty and it ties back into like what the Vikings and stuff would do the people. So. Are you talking about the lung thing? Yeah, the the guy in the shack who's like hung up on the ceiling. I didn't know there was a word for it, but oh yeah, that was so gnarly. Ari Aster did his research on that stuff. He researched like these rituals, these old rituals that these pagans would do, and he put a lot of this stuff in the in the movie. I like that you pointed out that he researched it so thoroughly because I feel like that's what really sets this movie apart from like the wicker man you know it's not just a bunch <laughs> Which of one go- the, the, the old one <laughs> we we don't have to bring up the other whatever again <laughs> but you know it seems like a lot of times folk horror movies are just like people doing just crazy nonsense because some random dudes like we should do crazy nonsense in this village but this movie is really rooted in a lot of ancient very ancient mind you but still like actual traditions and things that are uh, you know, recorded happening. Yeah, even the the runes in this movie are legit and they have meaning. Bruh, this rune game is on point in this movie. It's wild. Dude, did you know Ari Aster wrote this movie in runes? Huh? The script is in runes. He gave it to his actors and they were like, what? Wow. <laughs> really? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. He didn't do that. I was going to say, <laughs> I don't know if I... Dude, that seems a little much. <laughs> but I like how you guys almost bought into it because it's Ari Aster. It seems like something he would do. <laughs> but, but we're seeing them runes like a lot more now since um, Viking stuff's seeing a big resurgence throughout like all media. So that's fair. But it's not just like random, you know, ones just thrown onto crap here. It's like relevant stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's like, it's interesting because it makes it easier to tie back where it originates from for the average viewer. They might not be able to read it, but they get a good sense of where it's coming from. What was that one that we did a while back about... um? Those four dudes who go like hiking in Sweden and get lost and find the creepy cult village. The ritual. Yeah. Yeah. That was good. That movie is just chock full of random ass ruins from like all sorts of like ridiculous places. <laughs> that was pretty low budget, so I'm not surprised. <laughs> I think you could figure out the runes pretty easy if you wanted to. <laughs> well, I mean, just using the runes as an example is it shows how much attention that Ari Aster pays to the little details in this movie. And it's really cool. It makes this interesting experience for all the little details that add up into the experience of this. Because all the like ritual stuff, it's from history at some point. The ruins are, you know, legit. And he just put a lot of work into this and a lot of detail into it. And you can tell it comes across. It's not just the little details, too. It's all the big ones as well. The set for this film is beautiful. It's awesome to see, especially that house that everybody stays in. 
that building was awesome. I was like, this is one of the coolest looking sets I've seen in a while. <laughs> yeah, they built that in two months. That's crazy. Wow. That, that's crazy considering how good it looks with all the detail on the pictures and stuff and all i mean the entire plot of the film is shown on the walls of the house and on tapestries and stuff so yeah those murals that they have in this movie are really cool i really like them the one you see there's i think there's one at the beginning and then there's one kind of in the middle and then yeah they're just pasted all over the walls in the co in that bunkhouse and that's really really neat it's a cool way to like foreshadow stuff I think it's cool, but I do also think it kind of hurts the movie a little bit because you know where this is going from the start. And um, in the interviews I watched, uh, Ari Aster brought that up and he's like, you know, in horror movies, you start watching one, you know how it's going to end almost always. And so he's like, that wasn't something that was interesting for me. So I just kind of threw it out there. It's like, this is what's going to happen. And it's about the journey to get there. Well, and it harkens back to the old um, Hitchcock thing, right? Where we know there's a bomb under the table, but the characters don't. So he's harkening back to that way of building suspense, which actually works somewhat in this movie. I won't say it works 100% of the time, but, but don't get me wrong, it's not a non-suspenseful movie. <laughs> it keeps you on the edge of your seat throughout the whole thing. Speaking of that, would you guys consider this a horror film? Because it's very, very different from a traditional horror film, even including Hereditary. I would say yes. It's a drama that you're looking at through the lens of a horror movie. But it's not scary like um, Hereditary is terrifying. This one is not terrifying. You're looking at a drama and character interactions through the lens of uh, horror. Well, and it's not setting out to scare you either, like Hereditary is. It's mostly, yeah, like Mike said, it's a drama. So you're seeing how the characters' relationships end up in this very different, weird setting. <laughs> Yeah, well, when you boil it down to it, this is essentially a breakup movie and a movie about finding acceptance in other people. Yeah, there's the horror elements in there, but I don't know, yeah, if it's like a full-fledged horror movie. Like, I think it makes the horror stuff stand out even is when it's like kind of just this drama and about these relationships. And then when somebody's face gets smashed in, you're just like, it's all the more shocking when it happens because you kind of like... You're not necessarily eased into it because you kind of know something's up with this whole bunch of people, but it, I think it does make the horror stuff stand out, though, when there's not as much of it. it it's a lot like Seven, I think, because um, Seven's not a horror movie either, but it does the same thing where it's a character study on how they interact with each other and adversity, but it's got these moments of very horrific violence that really stand out in the movie. That's true. I mean, you have to look at it. Um, horror as a genre is so broad, and there's so many elements that people can consider horror that when they're putting a movie into the horror genre, if it has some of those elements, it can. they just say it's horror. Like, if it's psychological, they'll throw it in there as horror. If it's psychological horror. If it's gore porn, they throw it in as horror. It's just so broad that a lot of things can fit under the horror category. I don't think this one necessarily breaks 
the like classic folk horror mold. Though I think Ari Aster is just better at writing characters and drama than most people who write folk horror. For sure, yeah, definitely. Yes, I love the way Ari Aster writes characters because every character feels so real in his movies. At least the main ones do. I mean, it's so easy to relate with these characters and see what motivates them, what drives them, flaws they have. He does a really good job with that. It makes me so uncomfortable. There's so much social awkwardness in his characters. (laughs) It does. (laughs) And I've discovered that my greatest fear is not jump scares or bugs. It's just social awkwardness. (laughs) Yeah, because there's... There's always that underlying tension about the whole like girlfriend thing to begin with, because you know all their his friends are like against her, and they're like you need to break up with her, man. Like just get rid of her. And every time they're around her, there's always just yeah that innate sense of awkwardness and tension when they're all together with each other. Yeah, it felt so real, like that first section, and it carries on throughout, and you see it progress. But that first section was just so intense. At first 15 minutes, and it felt so real. And like, I feel bad because watching the interviews, like Ari Aster was like, dude, I just went through a really bad breakup. This is how I dealt with it. And so he was envisioning himself as a character, Danny, in this movie. So he was experiencing what Danny was in his life, and he was writing himself through her character about what was going on to him. You can tell it feels real, and it is uncomfortable to watch. Yeah, he's very good at exploring real problems that people get themselves into, and especially if it's like an abusive relationship where people don't necessarily realize it. He's very good at exploring those topics with this and Hereditary. Though, my biggest criticism with the film is actually with the story and how it relates to the characters and the rest of the movie. So I figure since we're talking about that, I'll just go ahead and get my opinion out there. Ooh, do tell, do tell. I don't think that he does such a great job connecting the first part of this movie throughout the rest of the film. So at the start, Danny's concerned about her sister going to kill herself because she's bipolar and keeps sending her these cryptic messages, right? And she has to rely on her boyfriend, quotation marks, to give her emotional support. He doesn't really want to because he's been wanting to break up with her for a while. And then it turns out that the sister kills herself and takes their mom and dad down with her, which was very horrific start to the film very hereditary like in how that character interaction plays out and it's an awesome awesome setup to the film then they get to sweden and they get to the cult and it feels like they kind of just toss that under the rug you can see danny dealing with it and she has flashes back to it whenever a traumatic experience takes place so you can see the character struggles with it and is continually having to deal with it but it doesn't really tie into the plot besides that and it's 
comparing it to hereditary where the family strife and the events of the grandma dying and all that are interwoven masterfully through the overall plot it just in midsummer it doesn't it doesn't seem like he accomplished that nearly as well as he did in hereditary i mean he'll flash back to it with an image but that's about it it kind of just switches to the relationship between Danny and the boyfriend and kind of just sweeps that horrific event under the rug. For me, I didn't like that. I wanted more exploration into that, and I kind of thought the cult, especially with all the drug use and stuff, would kind of lean more into exploring that route of it, but it really doesn't. It's like, there's that section of the film at the start, and then the rest of it is this weird cult and seeing what the cult's going to do next kind of thing. I would uh, counter that saying you can't see her dealing with it. It's not up in the forefront, like kind of what you were wanting there, which I can understand that. But it's all in the subtext behind because she's dealing with this feeling of loss and she's lonely. She doesn't know where she belongs. And the person who she's supposed to lean on her boyfriend wants nothing to do with her. And so she's out there kind of feeling lonely and she ultimately finds this new family with the cult. And you can slowly see that develop over time. It's not at the forefront, but it is there. You can see that she's dealing with it. It's just not at the forefront because she's dealing with the breakup at the forefront, that's what we get to watch going on there. But you can tell she's still dealing with it. She's dealing with it, like, all together at the same time. Yes, but it's not, like, interwoven throughout the plot so much. It just feel, it doesn't feel as tightly knit as Hereditary was, because that one, it's all throughout the plot, and everything hinges upon it, and how all the characters interact, it all hinges upon that element. But it really, it doesn't so much in this one. It feels it feels a little distinct from the cult stuff in a way. Like, yeah, yeah, she, how she deals with things in her trauma is definitely evident throughout the film. It's just it doesn't play as big of a part, really, as Hereditary did. Yeah, I'll agree. It doesn't feel as tight as hereditary but hereditary is like a masterpiece it's hard to compare the two they are very similar they have a lot of similar tendencies it's the same guy plot structures pretty much the same it hits the same beats but you can tell he's trying to differentiate a little bit it's a little different but it does not feel as tight as hereditary but hereditary is a masterpiece of film yeah i think for me it would have been a little more effective if we had explored that more as opposed to she takes some natural drugs and then goes and cries in the corner about it, right? Well, that's what drugs do to your brain. Yeah, 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 I know. I'm just using it as an example. There's like a million themes in this movie. I do wonder if maybe it was a little overambitious in that way. I think it was a bit. For me, it kind of loses sight of that opening 15 minutes or whatever before the the title crawl. Well, not a crawl. This isn't Star Wars, but <laughs> <laughs> you, you know what I mean. 
I don't think you're wrong to criticize that. I mean, I, I could see that being a big criticism for it. I, I do think it tries to cover too many topics, maybe. Don't get me wrong. I love all the cult stuff and seeing all the weird things they do, right? I think it loses itself a little bit in that aspect of the film. Whereas I wanted to see more of her dealing with like the actual event or tying the cult stuff more into that traumatic event in her past. But hey, maybe that's just me coming off of Hereditary and wanting something really similar to it too. So you, you, you could decide for yourself, but I mean, that, that's, that was my first thought after watching it. Besides that, they stuffed a man inside a bear. Yeah, I don't think you're wrong. Dan, for wanting what you wanted out of this, there's, like Fox said, there's a ton going on in this movie, and you've got to unpack it a lot, and there's so many subplots, so many themes and everything, but ultimately, this is a breakup movie at its core when you look at it, not a family loss story, so... I understand why that's at the back burner. I don't know. I don't know if I see it necessarily as a breakup movie, though. I think it's about finding, like, support, a support system more than... I mean, I guess that kind of goes into, like, relationships, but... Well, Ari Aster said that. He did say that. But, I mean, it's not like My Best Friend's Wedding or something, where it's literally about how to get over breaking up with someone or, like, not being with someone. You know, at the beginning that he wants to break up with her... But he's still there and supporting her. And then, like, once they're at the this cult place, like, halfway through the movie, all of a sudden it's like, oh, now I'm ignoring you. But he hadn't been doing that really before the rest of it. He'd still been there supporting her, maybe reluctantly. But, I don't know, it feels like something weird. Like, it kind of just switched. He's also, like, I don't know, it's two different, like, ways of being a crappy boyfriend, I guess. Like, he's gaslighting her in the beginning, which I would say is just as bad as being, like, a, you know, a whatever, uh unconcerned jerk or ignoring her you hit the nail on the head with the reluctance angle terry because he's he's only doing it out of obligation i mean he he probably does care just a little bit deep down but he's not there out of love he's there out of obligation so it it's not the traditional jerk boyfriend type of role and that that's what makes it more interesting, I think, because it highlights an abusive relationship that a lot of people don't realize when they're stuck in. Yeah. I mean, and I like that. The first half, it felt like that's what they were doing. But then the second half, it's like it's like two different types of things. When, Turned it up a notch. Yeah. When I don't think they either should have been a more subtle shift or something, because it feels like, yeah, he just suddenly clicks and he's turned into a different type of bad boyfriend. Let me jump in here. Something I also picked up on this is, yeah, he's there out of obligation, but you can tell he pities her and he's only there for obligation and the fact that he pities and feels bad for her. And that's like a huge thing in the relationship too, is because he's sticking there for an obligation and a, a feeling of pity he has for her. Because that's ultimately why he invites her to Sweden. Yeah. Yeah, the reluctance thing. Yeah, that's why I like that part. I just felt like, yeah, it shifts and then it's like he's not reluctant anymore. I do think there is like a switch moment though, TV. I do think you're right about that. But I think she, Danny, instigates it whenever she, they're at dinner, right? And they're talking about how the first guy to disappear, like the story they feed him is that he went off and left his partner there. And Danny's like, I could see you doing that. Oh, yeah, you're right. I really feel like it's at that moment that he starts being like, 
what the hell, man? And starts like being a huge jerk. <laughs> yeah, that's true. There's another moment in there when he forgets her birthday and she's like, no, it's not your fault that you forgot my birthday. It's my fault. And you can just tell how bad this relationship is for both of them. Like at that point, like that point gave me chills. Like it's such a small like sequence in this movie, but it ultimately is like huge when you look at it closer. You're like, oh my God. Well, at that point, she's still relying on him a lot for the support structure and she's trying to do everything to keep it that way. So she doesn't want to shift blame on him at all out of fear that he'll finally just cut the knot loose. Mm -hmm. And she was saying that stuff at the beginning of the movie, too, when she was on the phone with, uh, I, I guess it was her friend. We never got to meet that character, but... Yeah, Ari Aster said that he wanted to write a breakup movie, but he didn't want it to be all mopey and sad like all of them are, so that was his main driving force for this catalyst, but he does a good job of masking it in with all the other things that go on in this movie. This is a very sad movie. <laughs> it is. I'll say another little thing I didn't really like was, like, at first I did like the cult. I thought they were pretty interesting, but I think they push it a little too far for me. Whenever they all start, like, weeping with her and making weird noises, I think they pushed it too far. I thought it started to get a little too, like, ridiculous. I kind of would, like, chuckle to myself. I st suddenly stopped being scary and, like, I don't know, and started being like, okay, that's kind of ridiculous. She was the May Queen. Yeah, also the May Queen outfit looked really dumb, I thought. <laughs> oh, the May Queen outfit is ridiculous. Like, the, on the very end? When she's wearing, like, flowers and she looks like a caterpillar? Yeah, I didn't like that very much either. Now, but hang on. Do you guys not think that that outfit is like that to physically prevent her from running away? Could be, yeah. Probably. That's why I feel like it looks so stupid like that. Like, how the crap would you run through the forest wearing that outfit? It's like a giant slug outfit made of flowers. Like, there's like a frame in there supporting that whole thing. <laughs> That's got to be heavy as crap. Like, <laughs> she can't run from her obligation to pick sacrifices. Like, when they're all like raging at the end, like, that was a little better, but mostly my main complaint is when they start like weeping with her. Like, I get, you know, it's oh, suddenly she's found a new support structure, people who support her, but I don't know. It just seemed, it, it was too much for me, I thought. It's a little weird, yeah. I had the inverse reaction to all that for me the most like scariest part of the film was when she was breaking down in her um sleeping chamber and then all the other women come in there and start wailing and crying with her i was like this is very uncomfortable and it's got me like freaked out a little bit same man so awkward yeah it it was, I was like, what's going, what's going to happen? This is crazy. So it actually kind of spooked me when I was watching it. I guess not to draw away from that, but I, uh, I do kind of like how we don't, you know, we, we think that we like get a picture of the cult, but then over time we realize that they're like lying to the main characters whose perspective we get. Like whenever they're like, oh yeah, you know, here we respect the incest taboo when we don't do that. And then immediately in the next scene, they're talking about their holy book, and they're like, oh yeah, all of our oracles are product of incest. So I think that brings like a cool air of mystery to 
you know, what are their ways? Is this how they are every day, or is this a bit of a show for these visitors? Yeah, and like, oh yeah, he left uh, his girlfriend. He, they, there's only room for two in the truck, and it's like, hmm. Oh, I love that. <laughs> I could have sat on his lap. <laughs> you could have. I mentioned that, but we follow traffic laws in this commune. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was pretty cool. I did like that. Yeah, the slowly like the reveal because at first they do seem pretty nice i mean in the back of your mind you know that they're not but you're like wow you know it's different but it's nice and peaceful and everybody's loving each other and so excited and happy to see each other and everything i don't know so yeah i mean yeah it raises a lot of questions like the drug thing right they're giving all the newcomers drugs all the time and like i have to wonder you know are they just constantly tripping their entire lives in this village or is this like literally this whole festival just an act they put on whenever they need to bring some new dna into the gene pool maybe i don't know they killed most of the new people so i don't know if that's what their goal was they had that one guy have sex with the other girl but besides that i feel like it's kind of like the island right you know they weed out the people who won't stay and then when they find somebody who's like hmm yes we can bring this one in for future stock well that's what cults do is they find people who are broken down to absolutely nothing and they give them somewhere to uh, have a support structure and a family and they'll embrace them and bring them in. That's how cults find people. Just like Danny in the film. So what do you guys think about the, uh, not like the, the main, not Christian, her boyfriend, but the Swedish guy who brings them to Sweden and like, you know, brings them to the cult, lures them in. I like that guy. I think he was a lot of fun the second time around because he makes all these jokes, you know, and the first time watching, you're like, oh, that was kind of weird, but cute. He's so likable and happy. And then like watching it the second time, all the weird jokes he makes like, oh, we might kill you. None of them are jokes. He's just being completely honest every single sentence he says. I was suspicious of him from the start when he was talking to Danny. It doesn't help, too, that the, the trailer gives a lot away for the movie. I think this one is best experienced if you just spring it on someone and don't tell them what it's about. Absolutely. If you're this far into the podcast and you haven't seen it, well, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Show it to your friends who haven't seen it. Show it, show it to your date on a date night. Uh, it's the perfect <laughs> date night movie. I'm going to say no to that one, but... Bring your children and your kids' siblings like the family in front of me at the movie theater. (laughs) But yeah, um, yeah, I was suspicious of him the whole time, partly because of the the trailer for the film and knowing what it's the movie's going to be about. But he was pretty funny too, especially in hindsight, like you were saying. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, all the acting I thought was really good in this movie. I really liked everybody. I really liked that goofy kid that was just like. He didn't like the bugs. and He, he peed on the tree. <laughs> yeah. Will Poulter. Yeah, that guy was funny. I liked him. I do feel a little bad for him as an actor, you know, because he started out as like the naive, innocent, doofy kid kind of in comedies. And now I feel like he's been pigeonholed as like the jerk. I mean, he's got one of them faces. He does have a jerk face. So, <laughs> I mean, I can see why. <laughs> he does it well. He's good at it, yeah. 
I'm not going to lie. Mark kind of reminded me of Fox a little bit at the start what? of the movie. <laughs> what? <laughs> what is this? Like, is there bugs? <laughs> How could you? Why is there bugs? <laughs> Why is there bugs? Oh, I do hate bugs. <laughs> I feel like he as an actor may have had like schedule conflicts with this movie because it's super weird to me that he's not present for the cliff scene. And then there's like a little 20 second clip later that's like, wow, of all the things you let me sleep through, and then they move on. <laughs> yeah, it's very possible. I mean, they were out in, um, I want to say it was Austria is where they actually filmed this for for a while, yeah. That seems like his character, though. Like, he's not there for, like, the culture experience. He's there to, you know, party. But then, yeah, he does just disappear. I mean, obviously he got killed, but he kind of does just like, poof, he's gone. Yeah, something else I wanted to bring up is like the expendable characters in this movie. You know, for regular horror movies, like the expendable characters have maybe the personality or depth of like a, a, a piece of wood. But the expendable characters in this actually feel like people, too. Because like Mark feels like a real guy. Um, what, a guy like Fox? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he reminded me of Fox. Um, the, I forget the, the guy who was doing his thesis on um uh, midsummer rituals or whatever i can't remember his name josh yeah josh. like talk about a real um jack move is um the guy was gonna steal his thesis like like what the heck you know well i'm open to collaborating and everything and it's like no this is my idea like yeah and grad <laughs> students everywhere are, like pulling their hair out in the audience like oh my god <laughs> but like they actually feel like real people and characters you know just the expendable ones too oh yeah i think the characters are probably my favorite part about this movie for sure yeah they're all yeah so relatable and likable even the bad ones like the swedish guy i, I still liked him even if he is part of a crazy cult um, so something I want to talk about is kind of more of the technical stuff of this movie. This movie looks really good. Yes, it does. I take it back. That might be my favorite part about this movie is the look. Oh, so a lot of this movie is shot outside, like almost all of it. And the interviews I was watching with Ari Aster, he was talking about how much of a nightmare it is to shoot movies outside for continuity reasons, for weather reasons. And like, Almost all of this movie is shot outside. Not a lot of horror movies have the entire, like, movie in the day, which is pretty neat. Like, there's a few scenes of nighttime stuff, but for the most part, yeah, it's just bright, beautiful day out, and there's just terrible stuff happening, but it still looks really, really good, and it's still very effective. I'd say it's probably one of the best-looking movies of last year. I wonder how much, like, a how much artificial lighting they used in this movie. Because, I mean, if they, you know, got special lenses and had some big, like, filter sheets, this, you know, would be, like, on par with, like, Barry Lyndon that exclusively used candle lighting. I really liked also, yeah, like, the whenever they did take, like, the drugs or whatever, uh, whenever there's, like, flowers pulsating and grass moving and grass in between their, like, feet. Or the meat. That stuff was really creepy. Yeah, the meat, like, breathing. Oh, man. It was very dis <laughs> creepy and disturbing because at first, it's kind of like out of the corner of your eye. And it's like, wait, did I just see what I think I saw? And you look, and you're like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> like, that is so weird. Yeah, especially at the um, end when she's the May Queen and they're having the feast or whatever. I was like, okay, is she just tripping? Or are, is something going to happen with that meat? 
That meat was very suspicious. Hey, speaking of that meat, so my girlfriend and I were arguing, right? I want to hear your guys' thoughts. That meat that, like, is pulsating real weird on the table right there, you guys think that's a person? Like, human meat? Or do you think it's just, like, a massive slab of, like, a boar? I thought it was, like, a chicken or turkey or something. I don't think it's a person. It's the bear. I thought it was the bear until I realized at the end that guy is teaching them how to gut the bear after the feast. Yeah, you're right. I think it's a person, because on the top-down shot, it kind of looks like a torso to me. But it's, like, pulsating and kind of blurry, so it's hard to tell. They hollowed out a lot of the people and stuffed them with fruit and veggies and straw, so it could be. Yeah, I guess that's true. Maybe. I didn't take it that way, but I suppose you could see it that way. What do you guys think about the very end um, when she basically kills off her boyfriend? So in my opinion, it seems pretty harsh considering everything. Like, you can justify it, I think, but it's it still seems pretty harsh to me. Yeah, like he was not a great guy, but I never got the vibe that he was terrible, you know? Yeah, I never got the feeling that he was justified in burning alive, but they were both on drugs, I think, so. <laughs> yeah, and she did just catch him cheating, too. Let's be honest, Honorable Torbjorn has a great smile. Come on, <laughs> she was going to pick him. I mean, she could definitely know that that dude was tripping. Like, she kept looking back at him. He was looking around like, <laughs> what's going on? Drool running down his face. Like, <sighs> I do love how smug Honorable Torbjorn looks whenever they're like, do you want to kill Christian? Or Honorable Torbjorn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this random side character that we don't know. Hmm, I wonder who she'll choose. I do kind of wish, yeah, it would have been another, like, person of the cult that she had to pick from. Like, if it had been the Swedish guy that she'd been hanging out with, I think that would have made it a lot more impactful as well, maybe. But since it's just some rando, I don't know. Yeah, that also kind of was like, well, obviously she's going to pick the guy that was the main focus of the movie. It's more of a symbolic thing, the ending of this movie, where she is letting go of her past self and her past relationship, and she's not holding on to it anymore. Granted, watching him uh, get freaky with the cult chick surrounded by a bunch of naked women on a flower petal is bad, but it's more of a symbolic thing of her recognizing the end of their relationship i think yeah but in a very character driven experience it's a little it doesn't mesh quite as well i don't think well she was feeling crazy emotions yeah. probably right then and, and she was drugged and then she was probably worried that they'd kill her too if she didn't do it so you can justify it it just, it seems a little harsh for me to take at face value. Like, I get everything. It just seems a bit harsh. <laughs> she wasn't thinking logically then. She was thinking with emotions. It was like, yeah, kill that guy. I don't want to see him ever again. I feel like she was thinking with LSD at that point still. Yep. It's, it's a mix of LSD and emotion, not logic. And that's kind of... It goes back to what I was talking about earlier, where I wish they would have tied in more of her family dynamic to it. Because if they had like explored the bipolar thing with her, kind of like her sister, then that would give more character justification to it, besides it just being symbolic. And so it'd just make it stronger and more cohesive as a whole, I think. I'd agree with that. 
I didn't dislike it that much, but I do think, yeah, it could have been way stronger of a choice as well. I didn't dislike it. I thought that was like the other creepiest part of the film was when she has her smile at the end when everyone's wailing in agony around her. It's not something that bothers me, but I mean, I see where you're coming from. If they had made the boyfriend more like just blatantly, I don't know, ignoring her and not putting up with her, then I feel like I could have gone with it more. But yeah, there is that switch where I'm like, oh, well, you know, he hasn't been that bad the first half, you know. I can see where he's coming from as well. And I guess last thing too, what did you guys think of the cult and the kind of playing around a supernatural element? but not really going for it at all type of thing. Like they introduce that tapestry that shows them doing the love potion, or not potion, the love spell on the boyfriend, Christian, and all that. But then the rest of it's just like just straight up cult things, and they're not really like doing anything with a supernatural entity, so to speak. I like that. I... I thought it was a nice kind of more of a subtle approach to it. I just assumed that that potion that she made was just full of drugs or something to make him easily susceptible. It's full of menstrual blood. <laughs> well, I mean, the final concoction where, where she was like, oh, it'll make you more susceptible. Yeah, like the rest was just, yeah, that was more like symbolic. But then the final one is obviously, okay, we're just going to give him drugs so that he will go through with this. Like, I don't think it was actually magic. I think it was all, like, drugging him and getting him to a point where he w wasn't thinking straight. I do think it's, yeah, just one of the film's many uh, themes and commentaries. And this is just my opinion on the commentary of what I feel like it is. But I think anytime you get a bunch of people around and tell them we're doing what we do because a higher power or something we can't understand says we should do it, and then you put drugs in the mix, maybe there might seem like there's an air of possible maybe spiritualism about and i feel like this captures that sense very well of maybe there's something higher than us out there controlling it or maybe it's drugs and a lot of fear yeah i kind of wish they would have done more with the supernatural with the cult really because i think that would have added an interesting layer to it again you could write this off as me putting my own personal preferences into it. My favorite type of horror is like the Lovecraftian horror, and that deals a lot with cults and higher powers and stuff like that. So I was kind of hoping that the cult would have more to do with something like that. They don't at all, and I, I agree with Terry that it's just face value cult. There's nothing supernatural going on. It's just a bunch of people with some messed up beliefs on things. Yeah, it's like a traditional thing, kind of, yeah. Yeah, it's traditional. But I, I guess I kind of wanted more to see some justification for what they're doing. I mean, they justify the old people dying because they're like... It's the whole assisted suicide thing, right? It's like they're taking matters into their own hands so they don't just go out of old age and misery and everything. That's the only thing they really explain from the cult. They don't really go into much more detail with them than that. And this might be getting in the nitpick territory for me, but when they have such a huge like focus on the cult... And they spend so much time observing what they're doing and how they do things. 
it feels a little weird to me that they don't really go into why they do it. I can get that that's a stylistic choice to keep them more mysterious and give them more of a terrifying edge because you're not sure what they're going to do next. But for me, I don't know, maybe it's just because I was so interested in what the cult was doing. I wanted to learn more about them and what their actual belief system was. That's kind of, I don't know, an interesting thing I had with the film. Not necessarily a negative, I guess. More of I, w I wish they would have done something more with it like that. Yeah, I mean, I guess since all of their stuff is kind of rooted in real world practices of old... I feel like it's kind of hard to give it a why without taking away from the semi-quasi-realism aspect of it. Yeah, that's true. I and I, I get it. I get it. Um, this is probably just me nitpicking some more. <laughs> Looking for flaws that aren't there. Yeah, you just wanted something out of it that it wasn't going to be. I guess so, yeah. I mean, I think it helps it stand apart from Hereditary a little bit, too, where, you know, there is something... It's pretty clear that there's probably something supernatural going on with that one. I think it's kind of a nice, like, distancing itself. Like, this is not necessarily a supernatural thing. This is just a traditional... They've got their rituals. It's all kind of symbolic and stuff, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Don't get me wrong, I liked all the cult stuff. I thought it was really interesting, and I... I find that stuff pretty interesting anyways. I think I just want a little bit more look into the background since we spend such a long amount of time with them and learning about the different practices they have. Hey, so are we ready for overall presentation? Yeah, yeah. Um, I got nothing else. We're ready for the ritual. Ooh, all right. So let me lay down the... The ground rules, the steps of this ritual. Read from the book of Run the Reel. <laughs> yeah, let me open up the book. <laughs> oh, there's like a child screaming outside. <laughs> I heard it. <laughs> I thought that was the cat. What? <laughs> <laughs> so I'll just put a disclaimer. If I'm editing this, uh, sorry listeners, there are children running around outside, up, like up the floor of my apartment. So if you hear like little yelling... That's just them. It's not like anybody in my apartment. It's not my kids or anything. There's no nefarious cult deeds being done. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely less suspicious now that you've definitely specifically <laughs> it on his TV. It's like, yep. There's nothing happening here, I swear. Nope. Nothing going on. <laughs> nobody worry. Yep. Nobody look into this, all right? Um, so we've got... A ranking system which starts with burn it, like a certain character in this movie. Pass, like the lady passed on her boyfriend to go with Torbjorn. Honorable Torbjorn. Uh, oh, excuse me. Watch it, like the drugged out cultist who watched his friend burn alive. <laughs> or buy it, like at the end the main character ends up buying in with the cult. So there's our scale <laughs> in a very convoluted way. <laughs> very nice. Well, should we leave it up to the fates, the runes, to decide who goes first this time? Oh my gosh. Do it. <laughs> the runes. I want to see the runes. Let's roll the bones. Here, let me just... Oh! <gasps> Uh -oh. That was some snapping. <laughs> that wasn't snapping. That was the bones. Mm. Sounded like bones to me. <laughs> bones snapping. Bones, little children. 
I think Terry's got something going <laughs> yeah, down. Hold on, why am I breathing the bones? This is suspicious. <laughs> um, looks like this says Mike. Mike's going ah, first. I knew he's it. been chosen. It must be fate. It's like I saw this in a tapestry last week. <laughs> it was foretold. <laughs> if you can't tell, I really like Ari Aster. I like what he does. He writes very real characters in very awful situations, and you get to watch them deal with it. I didn't like this one as much as Hereditary, but I do like this movie a lot. And The more I've thought about it, the more I watched um, kind of interviews and Ari talk about it, the more I like it. I would buy this movie. Yeah. You know, I, I do think that Ari Aster might become one of the masters of horror for our generation. And uh, while this movie may not be, in my opinion, as strong as Hereditary, it's also easier to watch. <laughs> and that's a big deal for me because every time <laughs> we watch Hereditary, I like don't sleep for a week. <laughs> So I, too, would buy this movie. I think it looks good. The sound's great. It deals with a lot of really deep, heavy themes. But also, in that same token, it's kind of a an almost, almost fun folk horror. Hopefully, folk horror classic in the future. Yeah, I think this is a pretty interesting follow-up for him. Uh, I'm surprised he had such a quick turnaround. Because, yeah, it was like a year later, and yeah, he's already coming out with another movie. Um I really like the look of this movie. I think it looks really good. All the characters are solid. They're great even, I would say. Like, the writing for all these characters is awesome. I do think the cult stuff pushes it a bit too far with the, like, crying and moaning and weeping. I started to think it got a little ridiculous at times. Um, for me, at least, they pushed it a bit much. I think, uh, I don't know. I'm gonna, I think I'm going to give it a watch it. It's not my favorite movie ever. It is kind of long, too. It does feel kind of like it goes on for a while like it's a really good mood piece but that dude kind of lose me towards the end there there's some character shifts that i'm not a fan of with the boyfriend where it feels like he's a, one type of bad boyfriend and then he switches to another type so i th yeah, i'm gonna give it a watch it i think it's it's good it is good but not something i would like watch regularly i don't think so i brought up a lot of negatives with the film uh, from my opinion throughout the review but it's not how i completely feel about the film i actually liked it quite a bit it's hard for me watching like hereditary which i think's the scariest movie and like the best horror film that's been made it's hard watching that and then watching the follow-up when the follow-up's not at that same level as the original so that's where all my criticism comes from is it's it's a very very good movie but it's just not perfect like his previous film was. And I guess for me, when I see that someone has the ability to create that masterpiece, um, I'm always expecting another masterpiece from them in the future. That might be unfair. Probably is unfair, but that's how I think anyways with it. And this film's not a masterpiece. I got most of my criticisms out with it. Um, a lot of it was nitpicking. I do think that the biggest fault with the film is that it doesn't really tie the family tragedy for Danny in to the plot as well as something like Hereditary did. And I think that he could have pulled it off because he has done it before in the past. I think it gets a little lost with the cult and exploring what the cult does. Which, it's weird because I really liked that aspect of the film too. 
So I don't want to say it's a negative that he did that because it's really interesting um, what we got. It's a very grounded, realistic look at how a cult would operate as compared to something that I would be more accustomed to seeing with my horror preferences and like supernatural stuff. So it's a really interesting take on there. And I think Ari Aster could have tied that familial stuff into the plot more because he's proven he can do it masterfully before. So that's really my biggest criticism with it. I don't think Christian deserved to be killed at the end of the film, but I get why. It's very nicely interwoven with the symbolism and everything. But just from the character motivation and character standpoints, it would have worked better if he had been able to tie it in with the rest of the film. Um, but yeah, other than that, I really liked the rest of this movie. Um, the music is very creepy. A lot of what the cult does is very scary in a different way from Hereditary. And it's impressive he's able to pull it off in the daytime with one of the best looking movies of 2019, I'd say. It's very good in all those aspects. The characters are awesome. The acting's awesome. Everybody does a great job. This is a movie that I'd love to just show people. I've been given A24 tons of praise on this show. They've got a perfect record so far with me giving them bites for each one we've reviewed, and I'm definitely not going to let an Ari Aster film change that, so I'm also going to give this one a bite. I just hope he can achieve perfection again. I thought this might be the one to break the record, but alas, it has not. Nope. I don't think Ari Aster will ever be the one to break it for me. <laughs> I thought that was going somewhere else, Dan, when you were like, he's he made a masterpiece, and I expect him to make a masterpiece again. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, dang, man, that's high expectations. High standards, yeah. It is. It is. I, I, I'll... I agree, it is a high standard, but I know he could do it, which is which is the killer for me. It's like, he's got the ability. I know he can, because he did it before. Well, he's just starting out, man. I mean, yeah, for this being his second film, and it being better than mostly everything else that came out in 2019, that's a pretty big accomplishment. Well, it's third if you count his thesis project, um... Keeping up with the Johnsons or whatever. There's something about the Johnsons. Has anybody else seen that besides me? I, I watched it today. Man, you had me watch it like years ago, TV. Really? Yes. <laughs> it's pretty weird, huh? <sighs> Very uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, if you have stuck with us in this review, go watch that real quick. It's on YouTube, I think, or Vimeo or something. Yeah, you can watch it on YouTube. It's like 25 minutes. Yeah, go check that out. Let us know what you think because it is pretty crazy. <laughs> it's going to pass pretty quickly because it's very uncomfortable. <laughs> it's very Ari Aster. Well, that's, uh, that's a buy it, right, from us? I should think so. Looks like it, I suppose. You sounded so uh, so sad there, TV. <laughs> I suppose. It's like, like Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> so what do we want to do for next week? Uh, Fox, you got a pick? I don't know. I'm pretty sleepy. We might have to call in a doctor. Ooh. <laughs> Is he going to shine a light on you? Ooh, that might be what I need. I'm thinking... 
Doctor Sleep is the film I missed that I gotta see. I'm excited. I've seen it. I'll say this. I've already seen this one as well, and I'm not gonna say nothing besides that, though. Ooh. It'll be a mystery for next week. How mysterious. It's like I'll be watching The Shining before I watch this. <laughs> it's been a good, good 10 plus years since I saw The Shining, so. Yeah, this movie has an interesting, like, role to fill between the movies and the books and stuff. So it's kind of interesting, at least in that regard. So uh, if any of you listeners out there, you want to get in contact with us, give us suggestions, you can hit us up at runtherealpodcast.gmail.com. Or you can find us on Facebook or on Twitter at Run The Real. We want to hear what you think. Did you like Midsommar? Did you think it was okay? What's the verdict with you guys? Yeah, vote in our poll. Would you go to Sweden after watching Midsommar? <laughs> yes. Yes, I would. <laughs> Is Fox like Mark? <laughs> yes, vote in our other poll. <laughs> <laughs> the secret poll. Boycott this poll. <laughs> I don't want to know your answers. <laughs> All right, everybody. Well, thanks for listening to us tonight. Be sure to get in contact with us. We'd really appreciate it. This is Run the Real, signing off.